is Strictly John Key. Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith and welcome to another edition of Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guest is quite simply a wordsmith extraordinaire. One of the most readable sports columnists of recent times, his views always trenchant, often controversial, but always thought-provoking. I was a colleague of his on the Daily Express during the 1960s and his long journalistic career has brought him a batch of awards, many of them earned during his 20 years as chief sports columnist of The Independent. It's a warm welcome to the top of the city tower to James Lawton. Morning, John. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for coming in. Um, I mentioned there you'd spent two decades on The Independent, but you recently left and you're now busy researching, I think, several new books. And also you're writing a sports column for The Irish Independent. That's right. It keeps me out of trouble, John. You know, it sort of uh, gets me out of my wife's uh, uh, flight path and, uh, you know, it gives me something to do rather than... Well, for, though, for those of us who don't uh, who don't know, it is a very august publication, the Irish Independent. Yeah, so the, I, I was I always had a little link with them. You know, I used to yeah. do John Giles' uh, column for their sister paper, the Herald, and for quite a while I've been doing a column, and I'm continuing with that, which is great. You know, keeps one's hand in a bit. Indeed, you know? indeed, Jim. Well, at the risk of making you blush. I must read a quote from the actor James Nesbitt, oh my God. Yeah. who says of your writing, quote, Even if you're not a sports fan, treat yourself to one of James Lawton's columns. All human emotion is there. James's words educate, inspire and seduce. He is a master craftsman. Now, that's praise, Jim, that, isn't it? He has been known to take a drink, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's a great man and a great friend. Apparently, he used to read me when he was a kid in Northern Ireland. And ah, I, right, I met him a few years ago. He's a very good friend and, and a lovely, lovely man. Right, well, there you uh, are. And well, I'm not sure I deserve quite such a peer oh, of praise. I, I don't but, know. Uh, I wouldn't but, disagree with that. I've always been a... Um, the risk of being patronising. Always been a great uh, fan of yours, Jim, and your columns. Now oh, you're you, a native of North Wales, where you still live. Uh, did did words come easy to you from as long as you can remember back? Well, I, yeah. I mean, I was a hopeless student, and uh, my great good fortune was that the English master fell ill, not fatally. You know, I no. wouldn't have expected that of him. But he was off for a week or two, and the headmaster, who, who biggest contact with me was when he was wielding a cane, you know. I wasn't a good pupil, and uh, he read some um, essays we did, and he had to mark them, uh, you know, a chore for him, and he read my stuff, and he was so staggered that I could actually write coherently. He demanded to know whether I'd been guilty of plagiarism, you know, had oh, I copied really? this somewhere. Oh. And it was just actually a sp- an account of an imaginary football match or something, but it's funny life, isn't it? He said, uh, this guy who'd been my ogre for so long said he was friendly with the editor of the local newspaper would I like to have a chat with him and the the, the rest was you know my life that's fantastic yeah. because you I think you started as a 16 year old on the Flincher leader in Wrexham uh, in well nine, in Mould and Wrexham, in Mould and, Wrexham. and then then at 19 I uh, got a job on the Daily Telegraph in Manchester and the editor of the Wrexham leader said I, that required me uh, you know ending my uh, arrangement, training arrangement with the local paper, and yeah. uh, there was a term for it. I can't remember now, but uh, he said, "Well, he said my only worry is that you might be getting into a rut, 
at an early age. Were well, you indentured to him? Indentured, exactly. Yes. yes. He said, uh, but, uh, you know, you're going into sport, he said, and uh, he said, I, I just worry whether you're getting yourself into a rut at an <laughs> early age. Oh. I said, well, you know, compared to covering Wrexham Magistrates Court, I think I'll take a chance on that. You know? But exactly. anyway, that was it. Well, yeah. it was a good decision, Jim, to take for you. Yeah, it? it worked out rather well. I so. think it did, because since then, uh, you've gone across the globe covering sport. The list of sporting greats and legend you've interviewed is absolutely phenomenal. And if we can talk about some of your memories of some of them, Jim. Sure. And I could start, I think, with one that was, uh, well, the thought of it frightens me. You were faced with an angry, threatening, vivrit Richards in Antigua. Yeah, that was a moment of truth and fear and whatever you like to call it. It, it was simply that um, I was covering a, the, uh, a couple of test matches in the West Indies and my office got on one morning. Well, it was funny because we didn't have phones. In, it was before mobile phones. Yeah. And um, I was staying in a, this beach place, a hotel, but with no phone linked. It was a sort of chalet on the beach, and I got up a bit late. It was a rest day, and I thought I was going to write 700 words of colour. You know, the cricket reporter would get the news, and uh, yes. I had my, you know, sort of Ian Fleming, Noel Coward day plotted out, you know, <laughs> drink under the palm trees yes. a bit of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when I opened the door, it was festooned. It looked like an Apache war party had been around, leaving darts in the door with messages in different coloured paper on, on the on the wall and it was ring your office urgently, you know. So I called the sports news editor Charlie Sale, who said, Look, he said, I know it's a rest day today, he said, but Viv Rich's behaviour is causing a bit of comment here. No one's written a story specifically, but and he was he was very he seemed very angry, you know, and there'd been stories that he was not very well and he said, you know, and he'd be, and he, he'd actually um, behaved in quite an aggressive way to the England team. And I remember Alan Lamb, the England player, was out, and he chased him to the pavilion almost. Really? And, yeah. You know, you noted this, but yes. he, you hadn't. No one had said. He said, "So, will you go out and interview him?" So I, you know, fair enough. Rest day. I knew I wasn't going to get a great reception, but when I approached Viv, he went pretty berserk, really, you know, and he was threatening me physically. Because there was a famous picture of him actually That was the following you. day. What, sorry, what, right, sorry. Well, what happened was that I, I filed this. I, I, I said, look, he didn't give me an interview. He just threatened me, you know, quite seriously. It was very, very aggressive. And, and meant it, presumably. Yes, I said, so I think it is legitimate. And eventually I was joined by another journalist who saw what was happening. So it was as if it was a private. No. Uh, it, was on the, it was a public matter then. And I filed a story, and, it, and the front page, it was funny, the front page the following morning in London, it was Easter Saturday in 1990, I believe, and uh, the headline was, uh, King Viv blows his top, threatens to whack our man, blah, blah, blah. And right at the bottom of the front page of the Daily Express, there was a little headline and a little story which said, Gorby, Michel, uh, Michael Gorbachev, yeah. Threatens Bush, back off. <laughs> yes, and that was in small type at Incredible, the bottom. Incredible, yeah. And then there was stuff inside. What happened then? It was a Saturday morning, and I, you know, in those days, Saturday and Sunday papers were independent. Mm. So I could have, uh, I didn't have to write that day, but I thought, well, I better get to the ground. I wanted to see the test anyway. Yeah. But I knew there might be consequences, and of course, I arrived in the press box twenty minutes before the game started. Uh, you know, I was a bit 
to be honest, I, I knew, you know, that the story would yeah. get back. Yeah. What I didn't know was that Viv's agent in London had, had faxed him the whole front page and everything. Oh. So um, I didn't know that at the time. But when the players came out, my blood ran cold when the guy next to me said, and he said, where's Viv? He said, Desmond Haynes is leaving, leading the team out. Uh, incidentally, Brian Lara came on as Viv's substitute for right, a second. That was really? his first appearance yeah, on the test. Yeah. And uh, Viv wasn't there. And, and just as he said that, within seconds, Viv comes rushing into this little press box in Antigua. Where's James Lawton? You know, glowering. And then he glowered, stood above me and uh, threatened me. And, he, and what was a bit eerie... Uh, alarming was that um, he started speaking in the third person, you know, he said, oh. Viv is very angry, oh, and really? quite a soft voice, oh. Viv is angry, and when Viv is angry, you know, there are, can be bad consequences, uh, you made me uh, very angry, and if you were a younger man, I mean, that was only like 41, <laughs> I was a mere, he said, I'd do, I'd do it now, and blah, blah, blah. So that was the consequence. It was on the telly, you know, the yes. news, that night's yeah. news. So, yeah, one, yeah. But I'm very pleased to say that we're quite good pals now. Oh, you know, it was all Eventually, solid, yes. Solid. Not, not immediately, no, but eventually, no. you know. What an experience. It that was. Time. It was. I was saying, I'm doing, someone's asked me to do a few uh, uh, memories, you know, on a, on a possible e-book. And uh, that I had to I've said in that already that of all my experience, and I've been very privileged and lucky to have a lot of contact with, you know, major names in sport, but that would be the single most dramatic oh, moment. Sure. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. want more dramatic than that. Not really, no. no <laughs> to no. live through. No, no, <laughs> yeah. that's right. But there was another one, James, as well, talking about another great sportsman. Totally different awkward moment, but you were interviewing the great Muhammad Ali, I gather, and you'd come to the end of your, near the end of your interview, and you asked sort of what you thought was going to be the last question. And I think the question was, what would you... To, to Ali, what would you most like written on your gravestone? Yeah, that's and absolutely that... right. And mm. uh, uh, it was quite moment, almost as scary on re, scary on reflection as a Viv Richard thing oh, because it? he started talking. And you know, Mohammed um, was a a brilliant natural speaker and expert. But I can't. I have to say, it wasn't his finest moment because his answer to me was basically. Well, I like, like them to say, I can't do his voice, obviously. Um, he baked a cake and he filled it with kindness and courage and his pretty looks and he oh. was full of nourishment. And, and he's going on in this vein for about two minutes. <laughs> I thought, well, you know, all right, you know, this isn't going to be one of your great. No. So he must have noticed that I, my note-taking, which is never brilliant, had still to practically nothing, you know, and then blah, blah, blah. And then eventually he took, he took a breath and a pause, yeah. at which point I leapt in and said, thank you, champ, that was wonderful, put my notebook down. And he wasn't, didn't, I didn't see the really natural parting of the ways. And he suddenly glared and leant forward and said, read that back. <laughs> which is quite a chilling moment. Oh, yeah. yes, and indeed. I, I, so I, I got the initial notes, which I read back, and then I started inventing things, hoping he hadn't remembered quite what he said. And I was very relieved when one of his aides said, we got to go, champ, you know. So. Saved by the bell. Sa literally, Almost, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But, so, what a, but these are wonderful, wonderful experiences. Yeah, so I, I mean... To no, look back on. 
Yeah, and I had other experiences with him. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't see the prime of his career, but I, I, I saw him fight in uh, New York in 1977 against Ernie Shavers, oh, yes, which was a hell of a fight. Mm. That was the last time he successfully defended his title, and then much more sadly, I. Um, I saw him cover. I saw him beaten badly by Larry Holmes, his former yeah, spot in Vegas, yeah, which is a tragic sad. night. Mm. Before that fight in Vegas, a colleague and I had gone up to his training camp in Deer Lake. We were in Philadelphia. I was working for a Canadian newspaper. We were covering the Stanley Cup ice, ice hockey finals, and we just dropped in. And Gene Kilroy, who was his faithful retainer, said, God, I'm so glad to see some writers around, sports writers, because he has done a visit for a week. Oh. and." So he was really overjoyed to feel that he had, you know, they, yes. they were they hadn't quite signed for the Holmes fight, but he was preparing for that, yeah. and he was incredible. And he, he, when we mistakenly revealed that we had, we just arrived, we hadn't seen his training session. He insisted we went up the following morning and had breakfast with him, and oh, it yeah. didn't quite fit into our schedule. But my my friend, my colleague Hal Quinn, we were driving back. He said. Gee, it's going to be inconvenient in the morning. I said, yes, it is. I said, but when Muhammad Ali invites you to breakfast, I think you have to... I was going to say, you, that dis- doesn't happen every day, no, does No, no, yeah. it certainly doesn't. Is he the greatest sportsman? You've seen many people say he's the greatest of all time. I think so, because he went so far beyond sport, didn't he? Yes, he, exactly. He, and yeah. he, I mean, Everyone knew Ali, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and what he did uh, and what he did in the ring was stupendous and... You you know, once uh, before that Ernie Shavers fight, and I was relatively new, I'd had that experience in London, which you recounted the the Read That Back episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he just, one morning, uh, we, I just walked out of the hotel. He was leaving the hotel with a few, his train, and just taking a stroll down 8th Avenue. And it was extraordinary, you know, people waving from windows yeah, and yeah, shoeshine yeah. boys rushing and... You thought, my God, this guy's impact, you know. Yes. And I mean, New York's a pretty hard, hard-headed city, isn't it? But Indeed. you know, it stopped literally stopped for yeah. him. That's fantastic. And, and what he did, you know, the Vietnam thing and the black Muslims, and and what people forget is that when Ali was first rising up, some fine established sports writers like Red Smith, the doyen of American sports writer, they weren't happy with him at all. They thought. He was an uppity, yep. whatever we, you know, indeed. the phrase was in those days. Yes, indeed. So he had to smash his way through decades mm. of prejudice, yeah. you know. Wonderful stuff, Jim. I'm talking to James Lawton, the celebrated columnist and author. Uh, this is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. I'll be talking more to Jim after this break. Don't go away. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith and welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guest, award-winning author and sports columnist James Lawton. And Jim, we were talking about uh, some great... Great names in the first segment, um, including Muhammad Ali and Viv Richards. Um, now, there is another great sporting name um, from these shores, David Beckham, but I don't think you're chairman of his fan club. Would that would it be on the right line saying that? Yes, to say that would be a slight overstatement. I mean, I, I, people have written in, you know, when I was on the Express and the Independent, and written in suggesting I needed psychiatric help, you know, with my dealing with the Beckham phenomenon. But I, I just always felt that he was, in many ways, admirable. You know, he was a, mm. a hard-training kid, talented, worked at his game, and was splendid. But 
I just couldn't buy this elevation of him, you know. And uh, I thought, when you thought of players like Bobby Charlton, George Best, and you name them. And the recently know, departed Tom Finney. Well, exactly, but that... that, that perhaps would be going too far back in that, sure, that, in yes, that of culture, course. but I of agree course, with you yes, entirely. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then how far back do you go? Indeed. You know, yeah. and, and the fact that he married Posh Spice and it was a celebrity show. And I thought our profession, journalistic profession, was very indulgent. He played them like a, you know, a violin. His, was it Simon Fuller? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Pat Posh's yes. uh, Svengali took over his career a bit, mm. so you know, I mean, that was it. And then, and then when when you sort of, I mean, when the talk became soon that oh, he's inevitably going to be knighted and things like that, you thought, well, how mad has the celebrity culture become? Yeah, it is I'm, planet celebrity. Yeah, isn't not it? talking, taking anything about it, but I remembered one of the most satisfying things in, in my career on the Express was. Nobby Styles and uh, the fact was it, it really struck me hard that Nobby Styles, Alan Ball, George Cohen, Ray Wilson, um, I may have missed the name, there were five guys out, Roger Hunt I think, Roger, yeah. great players, they waited from 1966 to 2000 to get the lowest rung of their honour system, they talked about Beckham and I did campaign a bit and whether I had any effect or not. I, I don't know, but it is a fact that when they were awarded their MB, MBEs, Nobby, uh, un, unknown to me, was kind enough to call the Express and to thank me for oh, isn't that making the point. That. So that, mm. you know, quite a satisfying moment, yes. really. Well, it took them, what, uh, more than 30 years to get medals, didn't it? Well, that's the point, yeah. Yes, the, the, yeah. Oh, the medals, sorry. Yeah, the medals yeah. as yeah. well, you know. Yeah, but the, the MBEs. Yes. Uh, um, but they they got their cup winners medals, didn't they? Because they were all in the team, weren't they? No, but they didn't get the medals till years later. Did they not? No, though. You know those who hadn't played, who were they were in the squad. People yeah. like Ian Callaghan, who did play yes. in one of the games. Yes. Jerry Byrne, all. Oh, all I those see what people, you mean. Those guys. They never yeah. even got a medal no. till the nineteen late nineteen nineties. No, or even, perhaps even after that, it was more than oh, yeah. thirty years. After. And George Cohen told an amazing story. Um, one thing that I do take great pride from is that three members of that team I did their autobiographies, yes, Bobby, I was going to mention George that. and yes. Nobby. Yes. Uh, but George said, you know, he remembered being asked to, after the World Cup, they'd won the World Cup, they got these miserly bonuses. Bobby Moore was tremendous. He said um, the guys who'd been in the squad were getting less than... And they said, no, we were all in it together, yeah, just yes. the way it broke, and they all got the same job. But George went to collect, a, he was asked to collect a bottle of, couple of bottles of wine, it sounds unbelievable in this day and age, from a, a basement garage in, Royal, in Lancaster Gate near the FA. He said, and it was like a treasure trove of booze, champagne and things. And where was that going, you know? Exactly. Well, we can guess, can't well, we? Indeed, you know? yeah, exactly. No, this is, there's a lovely story about Nobby Stars. You just uh, reminded me. Ian Callaghan tells a lovely story. World Cup final day, of course, no substitutes. No. And Nobby comes up to Ian because they were very friendly. I think they were roommates, actually, on the... In the, in the England squad. Yes. And uh, Nobby says, he says, Callie, will you look after this envelope for me? And if we win it, will you make sure I get it at the final whistle? So he stuffs this envelope in his pocket. And uh, during the second half, his, his curiosity gets the better of him. And Callie opens it, and it's Nobby's false teeth. Oh, of course. And, yeah, of course, it? at the end, 
when there's all the celebrity. Yeah. Callie couldn't get near him, and that's why you've got this gap-toothed yeah, smile, great gap which is the, one of the greatest Definitive pictures moments. of all time. And had he got to him, it yeah. would have that picture would have been Wouldn't have been the happened. same at all, yeah. and the jig, and the jig. It's amazing. a lovely story. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. No, they yeah. were great men. They were all lovely guys. And that's a wonderful thing, that general. We were very lucky as young reporters to... Oh. Because... We had a kind of access that the modern yes. uh, sports writer could only dream about. You know, they, yeah. they, they, were, they were better rewarded on balance than we were, but not that much better exactly. rewarded. No, exactly. And we, so we had social contact, George Best. You know, I, mm. I, I was doing these recollections I was talking about. You know, I was, as we know, you know, uh, we had a colleague on the Express, John Roberts, whose yes. job was to live in his pocket, and yeah. whereas I had other, we had other duties, but... George Best, the greatest star of his time. Most working reporters knew George, exactly. could talk to him, call yeah. him up, had his phone number. Exactly. I could call him at home. Yeah. I saw him at various stages of his life and uh, yeah. and went to Old Trafford the day he died. I was sent by the editor of The Independent. Mm. He wanted some feeling for the guy, and it was one of the most moving moments of my career. You know, yeah. this player who essentially oh. ruined his own life. Yeah. But the residue, the the legacy was oh, incredible. He was one, he was a fantastic yeah. player. I mean, he's still arguably maybe the greatest British player ever. I don't know, but and pure he talent, would be, I he, think, yeah. he would be there, wouldn't he? Well, I, I, I was very taken when Tom Finney. You mentioned he's Tom Finney one, yeah. before. He'd be there with him. Yeah, in in all the, the, the yeah. you know accolades for him, there was a quote from Matthews, Stanley Matthews, who was his Finney's great rival. But I thought it was a wonderful quote. He said, you know, it's great, you can affect games and you can have dazzling moments, but to dictate the whole course of a game, he said, that is something that Finney had and it's a unique quality. He said, in fact, you could put on the fingers of one hand players who had that quality. And it's very interesting, he mentioned Di Stefano. Um, Maradona. No, Did he didn't mean, it was a bit before. I uh, suppose it's it an been. early quote from. He meant, yeah. He mentioned Di Stefano yeah. um, and one or two other great players, and George Best. Yeah, he so. mentioned Pele as well. Pele, you're yeah. right. Pele, yeah, right. somebody else. I did read. Yeah. There were five of them. There uh, were. Yeah, I think Eusebio was there as well. Possibly. Was, yeah. 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 But I did read that, yeah, and I thought that... But that, because that was an... Because Stan's been dead for years. That was a quote yes. from years ago. And it was a very generous... It was. It's yes, a generous it quote because it sort of... You know, they were the great rivals, weren't they? Indeed, yeah. But the, the little... Mentioning Stanley Matthews, once uh, on the Express, I got a little note. Uh, it was posted in Malta where he was living, and this was a result of a piece I'd written having England, Don Revy's team, well beaten in Rome... And I remember going on a bus back to my hotel in Rome to write up the thing I was doing. You know, I wasn't yeah. the main reporter. I was doing a colour piece. And then a very stately Italian guy came up to me on the bus and said, you're English? And I said, yes. He said, well, I'm so sorry to see the England team today because when I was a young man in 1948, I went to Turin and saw an England team not only beat Italy but, you know, wipe them off the face of the earth. And bear in mind, they'd won two or three World Cups yeah, by then, Italy. Indeed, yes, yes. He said, and they were gods. Yeah. He said, and Stanley Matthews and Tom Finney were incredible. Anyway, I wrote this piece, as you do. About two weeks later, Matthews wrote this little note from Malta saying, 
Thank you so much for mentioning me in the Express the other day. Really? It's nice to feel you're not forgotten. You wow, know? Can you imagine that? That is wonderful. Can Jim, you imagine people yeah. like that? George no, Best actually once wrote me a note as well when he pranged his roles outside Harrods, and uh, <laughs> and some as you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one of our and he was in the decline then, and one of our one of our colleagues, rivals, I think he was on the Sun at the time. But anyway, he wrote. Uh, I wouldn't take my, you know, George was resurrecting his career at four. He said, I wouldn't even take my son to see him play now because it would be a waste. It would just be extolling waste and things. And, you know, I took the rebuttal line. And uh, there again, a note in George's rather beautiful handwriting saying, uh, thank you for remembering I did a few things on the field. Fantastic. I hope you've kept those letters, Jim. To my eternal shame, I haven't, oh, but a lot yeah, of no, other no, stuff. We, we, we moved around a bit, yeah. you know. I know you have, Jim. But yeah, no, know. but, you but know. wonderful, uh, yes, wonderful but, memories. Now, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago Bobby Charlton. Yes. And uh, two of your many books were the two volumes of Bobby's award-winning autobiography. Yeah. And... Um, the project had a rather unusual genesis because it was on an aircraft, wasn't it? It all began. Yeah, God, you've got good research or, you know, perhaps you've had well, a few I, drinks in the past. Or I remember a lot, Jim. Yeah, well, it's very good. Yes, I, I mean, I'd heard I might be in the running. I did the Nobby Styles autobiography, and Nobby quite like that, and he said to Bobby, who'd been, hadn't written his book, had nope. he, and... Uh, he said, if you ever get to, he said, uh, Jim Lawton would be a good bet to write your stuff because I really enjoyed doing it with him and I'm very pleased with the book. Anyway, we're on a plane. Uh, I'm coming back from the Masters in Augusta. He'd been to LA on FIFA business or that uh, Laureus thing, you know, that oh. award thing. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. does a lot of that. And we just by chance, we sat next to, next to each other on a flight back to London and uh, England, Manchester maybe, and... Uh, he said, uh, right at the end of that conversation, he said, oh, by the way, he said, I'm looking forward to doing the book. I said, yeah, I think we're all waiting to read it. He said, no, I want you to write it. And Wonderful. That was, which is great. Yeah, yeah. very stimulating. And, and you it, must have been very, very proud of the product because it was superb. Wasn't it? Well, thank you, John. Yeah, it was good. I was proud of it. It took me the longest time to get into writing it. I'd done all the research mm. with Bobby. Mm. And it took me about four weeks to write the first pages, and it was about Munich. Yeah. You know, I kept going through Bobby's stuff, and then I thought that's the only place to start, and yeah. Uh, yeah. I was very pleased with that. Yeah, book, yes, you know. indeed. A ghost is a ghost, but you can shape the, the, the oh, emotions without, of somebody. Without yeah. a doubt, yeah. yeah. As, and, and I don't, they're not shaped, they're, they're their own emotions. But be but true you can, to what they Yes, mean. and yes, you can that, try and that's right. help them to define yes. their own feelings. Indeed, yeah. because... You would write a book with one person totally different from another. Absolutely, well, different animals, aren't they? Joe Jordan. I did Joe Jordan's book, and it was quite funny, really, because Joe. Uh, I hope he'll forgive me for saying so. He wasn't the most naturally no. uh, um, loquacious person. Loquacious. Well, no, not loquacious, no. except when he'd had a couple of drinks. But, <laughs> but normally, not very revealing. Oh, he I was see. Very, no, he I was see. very guarded about. And, yeah. and yeah. And at the end of the end of the book, you know, I felt he hadn't I hadn't been cascaded by inside revelations, but what I did feel was about his time at United and Leeds and in Italy. Yeah, I'd really got he'd really given me his nature and his yeah. feelings about the game. So yeah. that, in a different yes. way, was very yes. satisfying. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what I mean, what is your modus operandi on doing a book? You do 
all the interviews, you get yeah. all that, and then you sort of sift through it and decide what's structure. Well, that's right. I mean, sometimes when deadlines are oppressive, you actually write and tape and write yeah. as you go along. Yeah. But the best way, I think, uh, in my dotage is to get all the material together, yeah. sift through it, yeah. cross the dots, and then just sit down and write and give yourself a bit of a writing schedule, you know? Yes. And you now, um, as you s touched on earlier, you're now trying to, well, you're not trying to, you're compiling an e-book of a lot of these wonderful yes. anecdotes. Yes, I've been asked to do that. I'm, I've also got another book project, which I'm quite pleased about, because that will keep me... Um, rather than just uh, dwelling on my own thoughts, I'm going to tell you, it's, potentially it's to do with rekindling the Manchester City team of the oh, 60s, right. the late 60s, oh, good, yeah. what they meant. And I was very close to Alice, Malcolm Ellison, and uh, and that, uh, you know, that, that, and Summerby and Lee, and we were talking about how, and Bell, you know, we were talking about the time we enjoyed when these guys were just Indeed. part of our daily lives. So yeah. I'm hoping to recreate some of that and revisit them in the. Later, oh, later years. Look forward to, yeah. to reading that, Jim. Yeah. And I'm glad you raised that because in the final part, I want to talk about something touching on Manchester City and the one and only Bill Shankly. But we'll talk about that later. I'm talking to James Lawton. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. We'll be back after this break. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith and welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guest, award-winning author and sports columnist James Lawton. And we've been going down memory lane with Jim, some of the wonderful characters uh, he's met and covered and uh, the memories he's had. And um, you just touched in the last segment, Jim, about uh, Manchester City and uh, you mentioned Malcolm Allison and the way he, um, he honed Joe Corrigan into an England goalkeeper. Now, of course, one of the many sporting greats you knew and interviewed, which I'm proud to have done as well, was the unique Bill Shankly. <laughs> now, those of us who knew him will always have enduring memories of Shanks as he was, he was a one-off. And you've got some wonderful anecdotes. Now, one of them is a story, and it, it's your own story, that's passed into legend. Everyone tells it now. And it concerns a young midfield player at Liverpool. Tell us tell us what happened. Well... And uh, we won't name the lad, because... No, uh, no I, I, I'd be yes. a little crazy yes, about no, that, okay. but I did witness the thing. Yes. I was there, and what it was... Uh, uh, you know, he, Bill Shankly was brilliant. You know, he loved an audience. And maybe it was because I laughed harder at his jokes than some. I, you know, but I, a lot I, of them were funny, though. Oh, of they? course they were. Yeah. They were brilliant. But, yeah. but in any event, he, I had the mad idea that I might write a book about him. And I was, what? early 20s. I no more write a book than Fly to the Moon at that time in my life, you know. People might say it's still true, but there you go. No, 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 no. But anyway, um, I'm the, in that office he had under the main stand, little office. No window. No window. And he's going, and I, I would say to him, and I had a tape on him, and I would say to him, my enthusiasm, that's great. And he would say, ah, there's a lot of snow left to fall, son, you know, and all this and this. Anyway, He's telling me the the great team, the Yates and St. John and Cal, you know, they were approaching the end of their time. And he was explaining to me what a great young team would follow. And he was trying to describe their potential, their dimension. And uh, in order to do this, he just got up off his chair and stood on the table, which is 
both funny and alarming at the same <laughs> yes. time. He spread his arms out like Elmer Gantry preaching or something. You know? He said, they're going to go off in the sky like a blip, blimp, blip, whatever, bomb in the sky, you know. Um, bleep, I should have said bleep. Yes, I get, we uh, did bleep, actually get the drift. A bleeping yeah. bomb in the yes, sky. Yes, And almost like with uncanny timing, almost instantly there's a little knock on the door. And this guy who's going to be part of the explosion in the sky is coming, and I thought, you know, it must be private matter. So I said, Bill, you know, I'll, I'll go. And he said, no, you stay there. And to the door, and he opens the door, and he says, uh, hello, lad. He said, um... Uh, what's up? He said, I can't do the boy's accent. And he Sorry. said, um, I can't play against Everton on Saturday, boss. <laughs> and there's a stunned silence, you know. And Bill said, Jesus Christ, son, we're fighting for our lives. And you come to me with this <laughs> What are you talking about? And this guy, this kid said, my mum's uh, arranged for me to get married. I've got my girlfriend in the family way, boss. Oh, there was more. <laughs> Lamentations from Shanks. Anyway, the boy went away, and it was all a bit resolved. But the famous sequence, which I, you know, only picked up the the, the story has gone on, but the story yes. is that he walks down to the boot room, and uh, because he was quite wasn't the best set up lad physically, they'd been sending stakes to his house yeah. to build him up. I think up. Bob Paisley arranged yeah, for stakes Bob, to be yeah. delivered. Yeah. Anyway, Paisley apparently popped out of the boot room. I was elsewhere in the ground, but apparently, I'm told it's true. Uh, he, Shankly, still stunned by this news, um, encounters Paisley and says, Bob, we bred a monster. <laughs> we bred a monster. A nice, dutiful lad and his girl and this thing happened. But in the context, according to Shanks, yeah. he was yeah. a monster. Yeah, yeah. That, that, it was a true story. Bob yeah. and Joe and uh, the boys uh, confirmed that's what Shanks said. But it was certainly the, the, the events preceding that statement... Yes. We're, we're, all, we're all in yeah, your witness. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's were. a great story. Yeah, it, I mean, the, and there's thought of him jumping on the table as well. I know that. I mean, even by his standards, that was a bit outlandish, wasn't it? I never, I've never seen him do that. I have to no, say, no. I don't know. He was just getting a bit eloquent and carried away. Uh, yeah. I remember him going to two ladies in uh, Lisbon. I don't know why it would be, but Jock Steen was in the hotel. And two American ladies go, going off to see Our Lady of Fatima's Shrine or something. Oh, yes, were together yes. knitting and talking. And, and Stein, uh, Jock Steen walked by and they carried on oblivious and Shankly felt constrained to go over to them and say, do you realise, ladies, that you've just missed walking by you one of the greatest men who ever lived? Yeah. Well, that's what he was like, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, Ian St. John was regaling a story on this station on Terrace Talk yes. after the sad death of Sir Tom Finney that in 64, when Liverpool went on their tour of America, um, they were doing, obviously, before each match, they played a load of matches. Yes. Uh, they would do press conferences. And Bill Shankly at this particular match was asked about himself and what he'd done. He says, well, I played for Preston... Uh, and I played in the wartime cup final, and one of one of my teammates was the greatest player ever lived, Tom Finney. And this American put his hand up and saying, uh, "Could you tell me who Tom Finney was, Mister Shankly?" And apparently got up and sent a load of invective and walked out. The press really? conference was over. It ended the press conference. Incredible. Yeah. You Incredible. couldn't you couldn't insult Tom at all. No, in, in no. Well, 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 you documented Bill Shankly brilliantly, John, and. Uh, 
I, I can't think of a greater mother load of mad, brilliant colour, you know, of the game. I mean, he I lived it, breathed it, didn't he, really? Well, he did. Um, and, of course, he was known as a great psychologist. I yeah. mean, he, he would make average players good and good players yeah. great because of how he would talk to them. But there was one incident, one time I'll never forget, which concerns you, you're a linchpin of this story, when he was actually out psyched. And that was when, um, in February 73, Liverpool were drawn against Manchester City at Anfield, fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah. And that was in the days when the FA Cup was huge. Remember not now, well, yes. <laughs> Not now, and it's been stripped of so much of its glamour and passion by rotation and the Champions League and all this sort of stuff. But there they were, heading for Anfield, and um, Manchester City were... And you were doing a column anyway, weren't you, on a regular basis with Malcolm Allison? I was his uh, Daily Express ghostwriter, Yeah, yes. well, maybe you could take up the story. Well, you know, I, I mean, I obviously the subject would be the draw, you know, and Malcolm, City and Liverpool, you know, they're, they're no-brainer. It was a the great... First, the, it was at Anfield yeah, again. The yeah. first, le yeah, first. And uh, sh uh, I said, God, tough that, tough trip to Anfield, Malcolm. He said, ah, I don't think so. He said... <laughs> You know, he said, uh, got to give Shankly and Liverpool their due. They've been a great club and I admire a lot of the, what they've done. And then the kicker, you knew one was coming, you know. But what are they now? They haven't won anything for a few years. They're a good team, but they're just trial horses, really. We're the team. We're the, we're the team of character and blah, blah, blah. So I wrote it and rather than being given a good spread in the inside. It was, I think, but they did a write-up on the back page. Oh, yeah. oh, massive yeah. back page headline. Yeah. Yeah. Liverpool, just trial horses, yeah. oh, says Alison. So, anyway, paper comes in. We were going away, actually, on a, on a trip at home. I'd done my week stint, and uh, I never forget my wife's uh, hoovering, uh, you know, getting the kid kiddies ready to yeah. get in the car to drive off somewhere. And... It must have been 7 a.m. in the morning, something like that. My phone rings. And between the hoover and the sound of Bill Shackley's voice, it was like, it was like a, a pneumatic drill <laughs> at the end of the phone. Yes. And uh, I, I could only paraphrase it because I, I tried to placate. I said, look, Bill, you know, it's only fun. You know what Malcolm's like, blah, blah. Ah, no, no, he said, uh, I just don't know how you can live with yourself <laughs> consorting with a lunatic. Put the phone down, yeah. Consorting with, with a lunatic. lunatic. Yeah, but it did get to him, though. Oh, yeah, because they the got team. the draw, didn't they? they nil-nil at Anfield, yeah. And then they played them out. And four days them. later, they beat Liverpool 2-0. Goals from Colin Bell and Tommy Booth. Yeah, no. The City forward line then, Summerby, Bell, Marsh, Lee and Towers. But it was a terrific yes. Liverpool team because uh, three months later Keegan, they, they completed Keegan. the magnificent double of yes. League and UEFA Cup and the team included Ray Clements, Emlyn Hughes, Kevin Keegan, Steve Highway, John Tusher. And in fact, it was a terrific Liverpool team. What but year was that? 72? It, it was uh, February 73. 73. City yeah. were actually, Malcolm was... Uh, um, on the wane then, wasn't he, really, I suppose? Yes. But he still had some shots left, didn't he? Didn't he did he? indeed. I mean, it was uh, it was Shanks' penultimate season, I think, at yes. the end of the following yes. season. Yes, he, he He retired, but uh, I suppose today Mourinho would be proud of something like that, wouldn't he, the yes. nine games and stuff yes. like that? Yes, yes. I, I mean, Mourinho, I, I mean, he's quite... Uh, 
He can be quite sinister at times with his propaganda, but uh, God, he's a hell of a manager, isn't he? Mm. Some of our colleagues in the, in the, in the print, at least, uh, have been known to describe him, uh, one phrase, as a poser and a chancer. Well, But you don't, if, you, if, you, if you're in danger of becoming the only manager in football history to win the Champ European Cup with three different clubs... Yeah. You're a you're bit more, more than a poser, aren't you? Really? Exactly, Jim. You're a doer. Yeah. yeah. As as they used to say, look at my medals, don't they? Yes. Look, look at his trophies. Yeah, you know, shows your medals. Yeah. We've got the World Cup coming up, Jim, this year. Any uh, any thoughts on... Because you covered 10 of them. Yeah, I think just about with the Olympics. Yeah, I think one less than the Olympics. But in any yeah. event, I... I one worries that now, you know, when, when Ronald Cristiano Ronaldo wins the FIFA award and... Bessay and you try and evaluate their place in history, which everybody does, and it's always the last star who gets mm. a high billing. Um, I, I, I make the point that, well, you've got to win a World Cup and things, but increasingly people say, no, it doesn't matter the World Cup so much now. It's the Premier League, the European, mm. yeah, the yeah. Champions League. People are making that point, And that worries me a bit because, um, but looking, I mean, looking at... Uh, Looking at the, the one in Brazil, you worry about how it will get by because I've been told by a few Brazilians that it's, going, it's not going to be a bowl of cherries coming this World Cup in Brazil. It's going to, it's going to be transport difficulties. Yeah. The the people, the social unrest is really embedded now. Yeah, you know, Palik, Roy Hodgson's come back to say that he's worried about security. Yeah, yeah, the fans particularly. Yeah, well, well, you know, Pele comes out the great, the great Pele, wonderful player probably the best ever, in my opinion, uh, in many ways. Yeah. Um, comes out and says, get behind the team, do this, do, you know, they are the team, we are Brazil. It's all very well saying that, isn't it? When when people who can't feed their kids well, or they indeed, can't yeah. treat their kids if they're yeah. ill are seeing all this money going on another yeah. carnival. You know, yeah. the patience wears thin. Anyway, you know, I think if, if you're going to back anyone... I, I think Brazil themselves will be quite a danger now, yeah. and uh, you've got to you've got to give Spain their tribute for being a yeah. remarkable team. I just worry about European teams there. Yes, yes. I mean to be honest, and had I'd, it been anywhere else, I had a little flutter on perhaps not to win it, but to go a long way. Belgium with yeah. the squad they've yeah, got. they've got some wonderful Fantastic. players, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. But you say the the big change of environment yeah. and content. I yeah. mean, Argentina are always strong as well, aren't yeah. they? And, well, we'll see what happens, Jim. I'm afraid we've run out of time. It's been a wonderful pleasure to have you back on the show. Uh, James Lawton, uh, you'll you'll find he's got more books coming out, his e-books coming out, so we'll keep you in touch with that. But, Jim, thank you very much for being my guest. Thank you, so John. So from very James enjoyable. Lawton Thanks. and myself, John Keith, from this edition of Strictly John Keith, goodbye. Strictly John Keith, City Talk 105.9.